listening to Lone Oak Student Ministry Podcast. Tough questions, testimonies, and text-driven preaching. Hey, welcome. Thank you for joining us again for the podcast. Hope that you are finding these episodes uh, helpful, entertaining, engaging, and enriching. Uh, We've had several uh, students on here recently sharing their testimony or asking uh, some tough questions. Uh, and even some tough topics. So, so I figured uh, what would be a fun way to kind of start off this episode. Uh, let's do a little giveaway. All right. So if you have listened to, I don't know, let's say if you've listened to at least three episodes, right? Send us a DM, screenshot your phone that shows that you've listened to at least two or three. Let's, let's say three, three episodes, like the majority of them, right? Not like you clicked it and you started it and you listened to two minutes. No. The majority, so at least half of it. Maybe you have like five minutes to go or something like that on it. Send us a DM either on Instagram at Lone Oak uh, FBC Students or, or Lone Oak Students, or if you have my personal cell phone number, that'll work too. I'm not going to give it online, but it's that let us know that uh, you have listened to at least three episodes and uh, we're going to do a giveaway prize. I'm thinking like a $25 Fuge store gift card, okay, that you can only use at Fuge Camp. And if you're not going to Fuge, then I'll work something else out for you. But uh, hey, let us know you're listening. Uh, I know you all have been listening because I can see all the the numbers and things. And so been been going great. So, but anyways, this episode is um, what would be a sermon recap. But since we didn't have church Wednesday night because of the ice storm, this isn't so much a recap. It is just the actual sermon, but in a podcast form. Uh, but this is the third week of our session uh, of our series. Um, live differently. So I'm just going to kind of walk through what the message would have been about. And um, so you can kind of keep up with where we're going. So session three, um, the whole purpose is to help you understand the definition of holiness and what it means to pursue holiness with your life. So in this session, we're going to define holiness in a few different ways. We're going to define what it means that God is holy. And we're going to look at a few verses in scripture that calls us to be holy and uh, we're going to even touch on the idea of sanctification. So, so let's go ahead and jump right in. We can sometimes think of being different as negative, right? Like if someone says, man, you're different, you can take that a few different ways, different, uh, negatively or positive. It can be something as trivial as a sandwich that was different than you ordered, like covered in mayo when you asked for none, or maybe to clothes that you buy at outlets because they're slightly different than they're supposed to be. Or the idea of difference can be serious. Think of people like born with a disease. Something is different in how their bodies formed, resulting in life situations that can be extremely difficult. There are times when difference is a negative. But there are times where difference can be an amazing positive as well. Think of how coins or stamps or or even baseball cards, my personal favorite, uh, become super valuable because there is a mistake and the design, right? All of a sudden, these mistakes cause them to be worth far more than their face value. Think of rare gems or rare cars. They're more valuable because they are different. Would you rather have the same phone as all your friends? Or would you like to have a -a one-of-a-kind, cutting-edge, super awesome phone? Most of us would would take the one-of-a-kind phone because it's different than the rest. And so in this session, it's all about being different. More specifically, how God is different and how we're to be supposed to be different because we are his children. So let's just kind of review the, the other two sessions we've had. In our first session, we learned about the difference between God's ways and the world's ways. In the second, we learned the definition of sexual immorality 
and how God expects us, expect us to fight sexual temptation. In this session, we'll be talking about what it means that God is holy and how God calls us to holiness too. So teaching point number one is this. God's holiness refers to his otherness, right? The idea that he is completely apart and above all things. There's a few passages in scriptures I want us to look at real quick. First one is Revelation 15, 4. It says this, Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. Exodus 15, 11 says this, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? And finally, Psalms 77, 13. Your way, O God, is holy. What God, little g, is great like our God? Each of these verses communicates a similar truth about God, do they not? One essential to our understanding of holiness. Psalm 77, 13 calls God holy and asks, what God is great as God? With the implication that there are no gods as great as our God. Exodus fifteen eleven asks, who among the gods is great as God? With the implication that there are are known as great. And, and Revelation 15 says that God alone is holy, that he is above all nations. So do you see the trend here? There are only three, there's only, these are only three of dozens and dozens of similar verses throughout the Bible that talk about God's holiness in the same way. What these verses describe is God's otherness. God is other. He is separate. He is different from all of us. He is above all things. He's a top and a class, all his owns. And when we think of God's holiness, this is what we should think of. God is set apart as different and unique. And this means that he, his ways are different too. So as we've talked about God's view of sex and sexuality, we have talked about God's ways being different than the world's ways. And this is entirely due to God's holiness. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. Who do you think of when you think of people who are other? I mean, like completely like living in a different world from you. Or maybe think about this question. Who is one person who is most other than you and your friends? Who, uh, who, who can you think of that is completely other to you? Who is so different from you that he or she seems almost to be in a different world altogether, right? Would it be your older sibling? Maybe it's your mom or your dad or the principal of your school? Or how about a famous actress? Or maybe you'd say like the president of the United States. Right? It's fun to think of our lives and think of people who who live lives so different from us that they are considered other. For me, personally, I think of Tim Tebow. Now, hopefully most of you know who he is. Uh, some of you might. It's fine. I'll be, maybe be dating myself a little bit. But Tim Tebow, famous uh, quarterback for the University of Florida, played in the NFL a little bit. Um, great, 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 um, great guy, uh, celebrity, uh, but uses his platform for the Lord. But Tim and I, we're the same age. We have a pretty similar background. Uh, we were both um, born, well, raised in Florida. We're both sons of ministers, and we both like the Florida Gators, right? But he and I have had two totally different lives, right? He's a celebrity. He's a millionaire. Um, but we both love Jesus. We both um, are really, you know, living our lives for the Lord. But our lives are totally different. Like He lives a completely other life from me, right? But no matter how other someone may seem, God is more other than anything, right? After all, at least with the president, you can imagine what it must be like for the president to be like you when he was a kid, right? Your principal might seem super other to you, but at least he or she is human. 
at least, you know, that's the rumor. Uh, but God is not even in our category, right? He is so separate. He is so other that we can't even begin to consider comparing ourselves or anything else to him. And far from being a scary or discomforting fact, this is a truth that should give us great hope. God spoke through the Old Testament prophet Isaiah to articulate his uh, own separateness from us in some really clear, con- concise language. L- let me read this. Isaiah 55, 8-9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is God talking about himself. He, he's speaking to the very thing that we have been talking about. God defines a separation between his thoughts and ways and our thoughts and our ways. We are finite in our thinking and understanding, right? But God is infinite. God then goes on to give an example of just how vast the difference is between us and him, right? Scripture is clear. God is other. God is set apart. God is higher than us. And yet, he still loves each of us in an intimate, personal way. God's otherness doesn't prevent him from being in a relationship with us. That is a powerful truth. God is indeed holy, and this truth is far from just an academic principle that has no bearing on our lives. No, God's holiness impacts us quite personally. That leads to teaching point number two. As Christ followers, we're called to be holy too. We're called to be set apart from the world and and identified as God's people. Let me say that again. As Christ followers, we are called to be holy too. We're called to be set apart from the world and identified as God's people. Let me read Leviticus 19.2. Probably don't read much Leviticus. That's okay. I get it, but there's a lot of good stuff there. Leviticus 19.2 says this, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now this is God talking to Moses giving Moses a message for God's children, the Israelites. God was calling the Israelites to identify with him as his people. But keep in mind that this passage comes from the beginning of God, calling the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and leading them to their own land to become their own people. They they were to be a people, a nation that reflected God's own character. God's command for them to be holy as he was holy was all about setting themselves apart from the surrounding cultures, right? The the Israelites were to be a people who would show the world who God was simply by the way they lived their lives. And don't miss that. And so I want to make sure that you get the connection between teaching point number one and teaching point number two, right? Just kind of review. The idea is that God is other and he calls his people to be other too. Just as God is different and set apart from the world, he wants us to be as well. Let me read another passage of scripture, but this time in the New Testament. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16 says this, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, you're probably thinking, Joe, that sounds very similar to the Leviticus passage. Right. You're exactly right. Why is that? Well, the answer is found in a couple of points. First, Peter is writing thousands of years after Moses, and yet he is echoing the same commandment. I guess that means that it was pretty important, right? Second, Peter is writing to a different audience, and this is also important. Moses was only talking to the Jews, God's chosen people, right? But Peter, Peter is talking to all Christ followers. Remember, through Jesus, God brought salvation to Jews and non-Jews alike. 
all nations and all people groups can come to a saving faith in God through Jesus Christ. And yet we see Peter connecting Old Testament believers and New Testament believers together with this distinctive teaching. When we trace teachings like this from the Old Testament to the New Testament, it is a big flashing neon sign that is saying, hey, this is important, right? This drives from the point that just like the Israelites were, were to be a group of people set apart as different from the world around them, so are we. We're supposed to be that as well. And one of the most powerful ways we can do this is through our actions and attitude pertaining to sexual morality. By living out God's views on sex, we show the world that we are different. We show the world we're God's. Have you ever thought about the word consecration, right? Many of you will, will have definitely heard of it, but, but even so, few will really know what it means. Maybe this is a word that you've heard growing up in church. I, I've done a study before called Holy Vocabulary Words, where we take words that we talk about, we hear all the time in church, but really break them down. So maybe this is one of those words that you've heard in church um, all your life, but never really never really thought to, to think about what it means, right? Consecration means um, people or things being separated to or belonging to God, right? It's a word that's used all throughout the Bible, right? These consecrated things, they are holy or sacred. They are set apart for the service of God. And this is the idea we just talked about. God is holy, and the call to be holy is the call to be consecrated. When we are consecrated, we are set apart as different, to be used by God in service of God. There's a really cool picture of consecration from the Old Testament book of Leviticus. God was commanding Moses to go through a symbolic ceremony to publicly set apart Aaron and his sons to serve as priests, and the tabernacle to serve as the place of worship. So it's Leviticus 8, 1 through 10. Yes, we're going back to the book of Leviticus. You're probably like, Joe, um, two verses in Leviticus? Really? Yes, this is the second reference to Leviticus. I told you, there's some good stuff in Leviticus. You just got to be able to find it, right? Leviticus 8, 1 through 10. You can either read along or listen as I read it. Here's what it says. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take Aaron, his sons with him, and the garments and the anointing oil and the bull of the sin offering and the two rams and the baskets of the unleavened bread and assemble all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of the meeting. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him and the congregation was assembled at the entrance of the tent of the meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded to be done. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. And he put the coat on him and tied the sash around his weight and clothed him with the robe and put the ephod on him and tied the skillfully woven band of the ephod around him, binding it to him with the band. And he placed the breastpiece on him and the breastpiece he put the Urim and, and on to him. And he set the turban on his head. And on the turban in the front, he set the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. Now think about this for a second. The tabernacle was kind of like a portable church for the permanent temple was built, right? Before that was built. It was made out of fabric and inside were all sorts of handmade implements used to worship God. These materials weren't anything special in and of themselves, but when they were set apart for God's purposes, they became special. They became holy. They became purposeful. And our lives are the same way, right? Maybe you heard me mentioning some of these things that were mentioned, like, what the heck were those, Joe, right? Those are just common things. But when they were used, they were just ordinary things. But when God set them apart, when God consecrated them, 
they were used for something extraordinary, right? And our lives are the same way. Apart from God, we are ordinary. When God sets us apart for his service, we become purposeful and our lives are set apart to be utilized by God for his mission. So the call to be holy as God is holy sounds awesome, but in our hearts, we, we know we're not holy, right? We know we slip and fail sometimes and live just like the world when it comes to many things, including sex and sexuality. So how do we reconcile the call to holiness and the unholy lives we sometimes live? Well, that leads to our final teaching point, teaching point number three. God sees us as holy because the work Jesus did on the cross for us, right? God sees us as holy because the work Jesus did for us on the cross. Hebrews 10, 10 says this, and by that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Now, we don't know who the author of Hebrews was, but that he was writing a few decades after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. On our own, we can never, no matter how hard we try, live up to God's standard. Left to our own efforts, the call to be holy as God is holy is a burdensome, depressing, crushing commandment. There would never be any victory. We would only experience defeat. Why? Because we're sinners. But what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is that by Jesus dying on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin that we deserve, he made us holy in God's eyes. Jesus cleared our sin debt. And so God sees us through the lens of Jesus' work on the cross. And he sees us as pure, holy, and perfect because Jesus has made us this way. And there is a great power in this truth. It is a freeing truth. It means that we are free to embrace the new life Jesus has given us, a new life where we can pursue being like God and all that we do, knowing that our failure doesn't disqualify us. And students, maybe you're listening and you're thinking, how am I supposed to be holy, live a different life when I continually mess up time and time again? Maybe even in this area that we've been talking about with sex and sexuality. Students, remember this, this truth from Hebrews 10, 10. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. That means past, present, and future sins, you are covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. You have the, the availability, you have the opportunity to approach the throne of God, to plead the blood of Jesus for your forgiveness, and to be made clean and righteous because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And not only that, like we talked about last week, you have the power to say no to those temptations and say yes to the ways of the Lord. You don't have to keep giving in and buying the lies that Satan tells you that, no, you're just a mess up. You're just a screw up. You can't come to the Lord right now. You can't do it. No, you can squash all that and say no and move past that. God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you to say no to those temptations and yes to the Lord. We see in this verse that Jesus made an awesome, a huge sacrifice for us. I want you to think about what's the biggest sacrifice anyone has ever made for you? Maybe a parent sacrificed um, by selling something or working overtime to buy you something that you really wanted to or to go to a concert that you really want to go to. I want you to think about the sacrifice that Jesus made. Jesus made an amazing sacrifice on our behalf. Jesus sacrificed his life so that we might live. He sacrificed his own righteousness, taking on the sin of the world so that God might see us as righteous, free from the filthiness of our own sin. This is an amazing, life-changing sacrifice. 
Students, I hope you begin to think about what it means to live as set apart by God. Think of yourselves as different from the world and begin to embrace what this means for your daily lives. I hope this has been helpful. I hope that you you take in um, this series, really be challenged by it. Uh, there's a few themes that we've seen in the series. One, that God does call us to live holy lives. He calls us to live differently. But also, God knows that we're, we're sinners. God knows that we mess up. And his grace is greater than all of our sins. But what Satan wants you to do is Satan wants you to focus in on your sin. Maybe it's a sexual sin. Satan wants you to focus in on that so much to make you feel shameful and dirty about yourself so that you can't approach God. And God is saying, no, no, no. You can come to me, all you who are weary and broken, and I will give you rest. I will show you the love that I have for you. Students, we love you. And uh, we want you to keep pushing after Jesus. Keep, keep pressing. Keep, keep, keep yearning for more and more and more of Jesus. More and more of understanding His Word. May the Lord bless you and keep you.